Jeremiah 31 is the text today. Jeremiah 31, I'll be talking about covenants. Uh, if you, I wasn't able to be here, um, I don't think I was here last month, but last month I spoke, I spoke about vision. And so uh, I would encourage you to you go to the church's app and uh, watch that because I received a, a blueprint basically from God on the entire year of 23. And so what I'll be doing in the, in the entirety of the year is teaching doctrine with revelation. Uh, normally, uh, we're, we're a word-rich church. You probably have uh, you know, figured that out. We're a word-rich church. We come from word-rich legacy. Uh, but uh, what, what I just feel like the Lord is, is saying to us is, um, there are many times that uh, I would uh, preach a, a revelation, but not necessarily a foundational doctrine. And it's essential that we raise strong believers in this hour. And so I want to encourage you to be firm, strong, resolute in, in your understanding in your faith to always be able to give a defense of the hope that you carry in your heart not just a feeling but but a doctrine that says this is the doctrine of of the vision of heaven and so last uh, last month I, I shared vision and uh, you know you, you must have vision, okay? You, you must have a vision for your life. Habakkuk 2, go read that. Uh, the, the, where the man spit in the guy's eye, where Jesus spit in the man's eyes. You remember that story? Go read that story. Uh, there's there's a, Proverbs 29, I believe it's verse 18 or 8. It says that my people perish for what? Vision. It's a lack of vision. My people die because they don't have vision. So vision is so important that if you don't have it, you could die prematurely. So I want to encourage you to get a compelling vision for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your ministry, for your job, for your, for your entire family, for the city, for this, for this church, for this nation. Grab the vision of heaven. Paul said, you know, if you have a vision, you can endure anything. If you have a vision, if you have the vision from God, you can endure anything that comes to you. But if you don't know what's on the other side of pain, you'll surrender to pain. Yeah? Yeah, you'll surrender to pain. And pain will come, you'll be in the valley of the shadow of death, and you'll mistake a shadow for death itself, and you'll surrender. Don't ever... So you have to have a vision in order to make it through... The valley of the shadow of death. A shadow is not death. It's just a shadow. But if you don't have a vision for your life, you'll, you'll mistake a shadow for death itself. You'll mistake a, diagnose, a doctor's diagnosis as this is the end if you don't have a vision. Paul had a vision. You know what he was able to say? 
Well, I'm not sure if I should live or die because to live, you know, to, to live is beneficial for you. For to die, I go and be with the Lord. It's more beneficial that I stay here. You see what I'm saying? Paul had a vision. He knew his reason. He knew his purpose. He had a vision for life. He was speaking to a king one time, and he said, I have received a heavenly vision. So it doesn't matter. So what he was saying to the king is, it doesn't matter what you do to me. You know what? You can do whatever you want to me because I've received the heavenly vision. So I can be persecuted. I can be struck down. I can be destroyed. But I'm not going to be destroyed. I'm not going to be deterred. I'm not going to be moved from what I know God has for me. So get a vision. Go back and check that out. That's, that's on vision. It's, a, it's as fast as I could do a summary. Uh, so Jeremiah 31. I'll be talking today about covenant. About covenant. And I want you to know that you, you have a covenant with God, not a contract. You're a, God cut a covenant. He didn't sign a contract. The word covenant occurs in the Old Testament throughout. It, it's Hebrew, meaning is... To cut means to cut. You are a covenant. It's so important that you know that you're a covenant people and not a contracted people. God did not contract you in faith. He cut covenant with you in faith. I have in my hands here a marriage certificate something like that. And I have over here on the right side, I have some contracts. These are real contracts. These are uh, contracts that I, I asked the office to run off for me. Uh, so, you know, we could, this one is the Camp Cornania. It's a $20,000 contract for camp. Who would have thought sending kids to camp costs that much money? This one's for Wyndham. This one is a contract for, uh, well, this one's for Rated R. Is to be determined. But all of these, th this, this is a, a contract, and it, it's a written or spoken agreement concerning employment, sales, tenancy that is intended to be enforced by law. A covenant, a covenant on the other hand, is a vow, a sworn agreement by oath with the cutting of blood, the spilling of blood. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 and 34 says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. He's speaking in the, he's speaking in the context of the Old the old covenant. He is, when he says these words, he's living under an old covenant. And he said, there's coming a day where I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, 
But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now, here's where you want to underline. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. I want to encourage you never to surrender a covenant for a contract. Never, never treat a covenant like a contract. When you begin to treat covenants like contracts, you begin to employ the enforcement of the law against the violation that you fail to perform. When you replace a covenant with a contract and you begin to mix the two together, you, a covenant is a sworn oath by God. It's his word, it's held by his word and held by his blood. He said, I will fulfill this covenant. Contract is an exchange of assets. Don't treat your marriage like a contract. It's a covenant. A contract says I took out the garbage, I walked the dog, I vacuumed the floor, I did all of the things required of me. Now you do the things required of you. And if you don't do the things required of you, watch this. I have legal recourse to walk away from you. I can't, the, if you don't fulfill your obligation of the contract, I can, I can, I'm not obligated to fulfill my signature on the contract. And as a matter of fact, I can sue you for damages. You say, How, what, what is the parallel you're drawing with this? God is not a man... That he should, if I was the devil, I would get you to sign a contract. If I was the devil, I know that God can't lie. I know that God, I know I'm the father of lies. And I know I know how to lie. If I'm the devil, I know I know how to lie. I can twist it and turn it, and I can manipulate it, and I can make it mean something in the contract. I can make the contract look so good and appealing, but the, but the, but the details down at the bottom, I'll twist it up with jargon and words, and I'll throw it. I'll make legal things, you know, and I'll make it sound sweet, but I'll lock them up in the contract. And once God's children... Now, God, you can't lie. You said the soul that sinneth shall surely die. You said the wages of sin is, you said it, God. You, God, you said that if they sin, you would, you, not me. I'm not going to kill them. I'm not going to kill them. You said you were going to kill them if they sin. 
because you, you, now you said what you said, and so shall your word be. You can hear the enemy yelling at, the, yelling at God. God, you said your word doesn't return to you void. That's what you said. You said you don't lie. And what he would try to get you to do? Live by the contract. Live good. Live holy. Do everything. Do everything for, for a contract's sake. Earn your salvation. Live by the letter of the law. Don't do this. Do that. Do this. Go there. Don't go there. Touch this. Don't touch that. Make your life about the contract. Make your life about the law, about the contract of the, uh, of the letter of the law. Make it legal. Make your life legal. Sign the contract. And then once you sign that contract, the enemy now has legal right. He has a legal right. He goes to the Father and he says, you, you, hey man, better get to killing. You better get to killing. They signed the contract. If I was a devil, that's what I would do. I'd get you. I just think about how sinister manipulative it is that the enemy would use the word of God to to convince the sons and daughters of God to live in a way to attempt to satisfy the will of their father with what they do. Make Make them make their salvation about what they do. Sign the contract. You're not a contracted people. You and I are covenant people. Now, covenant ain't like a contract. Covenant says, don't matter what you do, I'm never leaving you. Covenant of marriage says, you said it till death. God said, when he got married with you, he said, till death and beyond. He he stuck some buzz light year on it. He said, till death and beyond. God said, "You, you might walk away, but I will never walk away. God said, you might fail the, con- the covenant, but I'm never going to fail the covenant. And I love you so much. If you'll just put your trust in me, G- G- he said, Jesus said, if you just put your trust in me, I won't I only die for you. I will die as you. And it won't be your sin. Your sin becomes my sin. I go to the cross and die for what you did. You, you keep claiming what you did is yours. It's not yours. It's mine. Because I have a covenant. I knew, you, I knew, the, I knew the, the demand of the covenant was more than you could ever live up to. So I came not just for you, but I came as you. And I fulfilled the covenant for you. As a man and as God, as fully satisfying the agreement, I came and gave it all for you. 
so you could live in the covenant without condemnation, without shame. You are free, and not just free, but you are free indeed. But if I'm the enemy, I get you to live by the letter. Preacher, you got tattoos? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, don't you know what the, what the law says? I don't live by contract. It's not a license of sin. But I live by covenant. So, so it doesn't matter what laws I broke. I live by covenant. I live by faith. By faith in the Son of God who gave his life a ransom for me, set me free. I live by faith in the covenant. So ne- and you can see why it will be so confusing to live a covenant like a contract. Oh, oh, covenant people of God, we're guilty of this. We get mad at each other when we don't fulfill the expectation of the contract. We treat covenants, we dismiss covenants. We dismiss them. We walk away from them. Because we treat them like contracts. We think that relationships with one another are optional. We think our fellowship is, is, is contractual, when in reality, it is not. We are, you know, how many did this when you were young? I'm probably, I know I'm going to date myself here. But back in the day, when I was very young, we, did, we used to do this, this thing. When you would get a, a really good friend... You would go to your clubhouse, and you get a rusty knife from somewhere. Yeah, you see where I'm going with this? Some of you do. And you would take your hand, and you would take that rusty knife, and you'd cut your hand. And then your buddy would cut his hand. And then you would grab hold of one another, and you would say, we're blood brothers. You know, that, 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 that actual exchange is as old as time because it is, the, it is the spilling of blood to communicate the covenant exchange between two individuals, which signifies the death of Christ on Calvary's hill when he spilled his blood and he, became, and he made us sons and daughters of blood. The strength of your covenant is the blood. So it's important that you know. So first of all, never, never treat a covenant like a contract. Never live by the letter of the law. You live by faith. It's not a license to break covenant, but it is, it is, there is security in the covenant that says if you sin, you can come to the advocate and you can repent and you, your, your sins will be forgiven so there is this covenant that requires responsibility. That's where I'm headed now. So you must understand, never treat a covenant like a contract. Never, you are not a contracted people. 
Doesn't, I don't care how many hours you pray. God's not impressed with the hours you pray. He's not impressed with it. Like we, we're seeing this today. God is not impressed with your virtue. Oh, my goodness. I'm so tired of seeing virtue. I'm so tired of seeing the false appearance of virtue. He's not impressed with it. You can see, you can see right now that the outpouring of God's Spirit in the earth is like he's not impressed with man. He's he not. He doesn't care about your, your titles, doesn't care about you the prophet of this or the apostle of that or the pastor of this or the bishop of that. He doesn't care. About, you, you know he's pouring out his spirit down there in, in Kentucky, in nowhere Kentucky right now. He's pouring out his spirit on a bunch of nobodies, no names, no faces, no preachers, no singers, no, no professionals are down there leading it. You know who's leading it? The Holy Spirit's leading it. And what that's teaching us today is that you got nothing to bring to the table except for the blood of Jesus. That's all you got is the blood of the covenant. All you got is the covenant. There are four major covenants in the Bible. There are more, but there are four major ones, the Noahic. Abrahamic, the Davidic, Mosaic, did I say Mosaic? I missed that one, Mosaic. So all these covenants, there's three things that they have, you must understand. They have three things in common. All, all covenants have three things in common. First of all, they're relational. Secondly, they're personal. And third, they're sacrificial. All covenants. If you're in a covenant right now, right, you're married, guess what? You have a relationship it's personal, and it's sacrificial. Now, when the covenants break down, something's broke down in those three areas. You want marriage counseling? Here it is. Here it is. Examine your covenant of marriage. Is, there, is it relational? Is it personal? And is it sacrificial? And if you, if you said no to any of them, that's your point of conflict, go back and work on that. There's marriage. There's some marriage information. The strength of the covenant is the word and the blood. The word. So let's just talk about the covenant. Remember, a covenant is a sworn oath. It's God's word. It's God's word. I mean, our words don't mean much anymore. You know, like, they should mean more. They should mean so much more. I mean, I should be able to look you in the eye and you give me your word and it'd be worth something. That's a covenant. A covenant says, I give you my word. We're in covenant. We're blood. We, we, we're blood, man. We're, we're, we're connected by the blood of Jesus. I give you my word. It means something. It's valuable. My word, is, it means something. Back in the day, we say, my word is my bond. You can get out of jail with my word. I don't know we got that anymore. But the power of your and my covenant is God's word. Look at what he said, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? But not my word, man. Oh, I want you to hear this. God said this about his word to you. He said, heaven is not stronger than my word. Earth is not stronger than my word to you. My word is stronger than heaven and earth. As majestic as heaven is, as glorious as the sunset is, my word is more majestic. My word is stronger than that. The gravitational pull in the world is not to be compared to my word to you. My word, my covenant is my word 
to you. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should. He don't lie. His word is the truth. He said, I'm not the son of man that I should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? When he speaks, he makes it good. John 1.14, you know this scripture. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with your theology a little bit today, okay? All right? Hold on to the pew. Hold on to the pew. John 1.14 says, and the word became what? What did the word become? He removed the loophole. Look at me. The word became flesh. He removed the loophole. He removed the shortcut. He removed the manipulation. He made his word a covenant, a covenant agreement of relationship. Remember, it's a relationship. He made it so. He, he became the word. Some of y'all don't believe me yet. Here, go, go to Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Wait, wait. Go back to, go back to John 1.14. Because some of you... John 1.14, and the word became flesh, and what did he do? He dwelt among us, and we beheld his full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is. The word of God is alive. It's not dead. The word of God is not on paper. Here, this is not, the, this is not Jesus. Come with me. Just, just. There's nothing more dangerous. Nothing. Look at me. Nothing more dangerous than a son or a daughter who knows the logos, but not the son. Oh, I mean, you become, oh, you become a legal attorney for yourself when you know the logos but you don't know the flesh of Jesus you don't know the person of Jesus you don't know the person of the God named Jesus when all you know is his word but you don't know his person you become a danger to yourself and everyone around you because you begin to wield the word of God like a sword that cuts and injures yourself and those you love and even your enemies with the knowledge of God, but not the heart of Jesus. So your covenant is only as strong as your relationship with the word made flesh. How's your covenant? How strong is your covenant? When last did you whisper to him? What did he have for breakfast this morning? What was your conversation like this morning when you read it? Did you read it? Was he reading back to you what you were reading to him? Is there a, you know what happened? The love letter became a lover. When, before I got married to my wife, I used to get her cards, and I would get her, I'm, I'm very, it's interesting that I talk a lot, but I don't like a lot of words. <laughs> so contradictory, you know what I mean? I say a lot of things, but when people get me wordy cards, I'm like, oh my gosh, 
okay, let me go sit down for a half hour and read this. Or you know you long texters, you know who you are. Where's John Hummer? Is he here? John Hummer will text you to sleep, dude. <laughs> he texts like a woman in the amplified version. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, Troy, stay on focus. Stay on focus. So I used to get my wife these cards before we got married, and I'd write, like, brief love words. I wrote these. these. And the other day I was going through the house looking for something, and uh, I found them next to her bed. She, she kept them. I know. I thought that was sweet. I said, oh, look at that. And, and I, I, began to read, I began to read them. I went back to see what kind of corny stuff I was saying, you know. <laughs> so I was reading them. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good, you know. And I read a few. I'm like, man, I was fly, man. No wonder. No wonder. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I put them away. And, uh, and I thought about it. I said, man, I wrote all those words before we entered into a covenant. Hmm. And when we entered into the covenant, I became what I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus wrote you a love letter. And he said, man, look how much I love you. Pages and pages and pages of love letters to you. And he died on Calvary's cruel hill, suspended between heaven and earth. And he said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, he gave up his spirit. And when he gave up his spirit, he became what he wrote. My question is, How's your relationship with him? Because here's the deal. He removed the loopholes. He made it so when he became, you see, it's one thing to write a love letter, right? He wrote you love letters. Now, when you got married and you entered into a covenant, he has to fulfill what he wrote. And it's one thing to, like, write the love letter. It's another thing to become it. It's another thing to like. And, and what Jesus did was he made it so you couldn't take his word and use it without a relationship with him. Yeah. He made it so he made it so you couldn't take his word and bind heaven and loose the earth. You couldn't do that. He made it so the only way you can activate what's in his word is if you have a relationship, a covenant relationship with him. The only way you can say, by his stripes, I'm healed. The only way you can say, you are the king of my peace. The only way you can say, Satan, you are bound. Satan, you are loose. The only way you can say, heaven on earth, heaven on earth, is if you have a relationship with him. And what it means is he don't care how much you know of it. 
You can know two verses of it, but all of it be yours. All you got to do is get married to Jesus. All you got to do is walk in covenant with the Lord, and you can be healed, and you can be victorious, and you can be favored, and you can be the child and son of God. All you got to do, faith in him, covenant. I got a covenant. What I got? I got a covenant. Well, tell me what scripture right. I don't even need to know it. I got a covenant. You can read it for yourself. You take it home and see what the end. Go, you go ahead and take it home and see how God loves me. So, so the point I'm making there is like the strength of your covenant. Right? If you want, and covenants, is, I mean covenants. That a covenant is what rebukes the enemy. It's a covenant. A covenant will tell him, go lay down and shut up. A covenant with God has the power of God. But a covenant, the proportion, the, the measure of your power is determined by the sincerity and authenticity of your relationship with Jesus. N not his logos, his person, because he is alive, as Hebrew says. He is the living word of God. And then, secondly, your, the strength of your covenant, so the strength of your covenant is his word, and the strength of your covenant is in his blood. It's in the blood. There's so much here. The covenant, you, so you need to know that the covenant is once and for all. It's a once and for all covenant. Remember, what a covenant, what's a covenant? It's an oath of God's word and the shedding of his blood, the cutting and the spilling of his blood. So then the strength of God's covenant with you is dependent upon what story do I want to choose? There's so many. The, the application of the blood. On the night of Passover, what'd they do? They took the blood. What was the blood of that they took? It was a lamb. They took a lamb, they took the blood of that lamb on Passover, and they covered the doorpost of the house. And then God said, get in, the, get in. <laughs> get, once, you, once, you, once the blood is spilled, apply the blood, and then get in. Right? So they get in, the death angel comes, and... And the shelf life of that lamb that represented the lamb, how, how long was the shelf life? How long was the holding power of the blood? About 12 hours. Right? So the, the, the holding power of the, of the lamb that represented the lamb was about 12 hours. The holding power, remember when David was bringing the ark of God back? Remember? 
And, and then what, God got upset because there was no blood. So David went back, you know this, David went back, and he said, okay. He thought about it. He said, okay, I messed up. God needs blood. So he takes the blood of, of the lamb, a goat, a kid. He sheds the blood, takes six steps, stops, ran out. Go get another one. Kills another one, takes six more steps, stop. Go get another one. Takes six more steps. The holding power of the lamb that represents the lamb, which, which represented that David, look at me, David was bringing back. We know it couldn't have been all of the presence of God. The ark could not have contained all of the presence of God. Just that much of the presence of God was so, was so powerful that it required six steps and another lamb to be slain. He could, so the holding power of just that limited presence of God that was held in that box, took, it, it only held for six steps. The Bible says this. Go with me to Leviticus 17.11. Look what it says. For the life of the flesh is in the life's in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Matthew 26, 28, look at what Jesus says. What does he say? This is my blood of the new covenant. He picks up where Jeremiah said he's going to bring a new covenant. He said, I'm, I'm now shedding my blood for the new covenant that was talked about in the Old Testament. Now I'm shed. No longer now is there this, this shelf life of blood that represents a shadow or a back room. Now, just come with me. The blood of bulls and goats got us behind the curtain. And that only once a year. So the blood of bulls and goats only got us behind the curtain where there was a, a little bit of the presence of God. Couldn't have been the full presence of God because he wasn't leaving where he was to bring all of himself here. Jesus said, this is my blood now, shed. I'm, I'm no longer giving you just limited access this blood is shed once and for all. Once it's spilled and once you receive, once you apply the blood, it doesn't have to be shed, but it does have to be, it only gets applied, it only gets shed once. He only died once, amen? amen? But when he died, the blood has to be applied. And once it's applied, that's it, man. That's it. 
no back room, no little bit of presence of God. The Bible says that he now, you and I have access to not just a second room, not just a little bit of the presence of God, but the fullness of the presence of God Jesus paid for with his blood. And if you will apply it to your life, you don't just get a measured bit of him. And it doesn't run out over your lifetime. It is is there forever, and it gives you access to the heavens of all. Jesus walked in the heaven and he applied the blood there and he said once I applied that blood now you have access to come into what I applied the blood to. That's amazing. But the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover you. It cleanses you. I got this friend. Don't do this to your friends, okay? (laughs) My boy, Josh, he worked at the church for a while. And uh, I seen him working over there, and I had Elijah in the truck with me. And and I said, let's play a joke on Josh. He said, what you want to do? Don't judge me, okay? (laughs) I said, hey. Let's tell Josh, you caught somebody with Lika last night, and you killed him. <laughs> I know. I ain't no good, y'all. I messed up. I, I got to get good saved again, you know? <laughs> I said, listen, follow my lead. When we pull up, just follow my lead. He said, bet. All right, bet. I I look over. He's already. (gasps) I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm in the driver's side. I pull up. I look at Josh. Josh comes up. He sees him over there doing that. I said, look, man, I got a situation. He said, what's up? I said, man, Elijah got into something last night. Long story short. Killed this dude last night. Josh, I'm telling you, this dude, ice in his veins. He did not skip a beat. He did not, he did not blink. He said, he said this. He said, follow me. (laughs) I'm like, where where am I going? Is this where you keep the body somewhere, man? He said these things. This is a true story. I'm not, I'm not making this. I'm not embellishing. He said, follow me. I, said, I, said, I looked over at Elijah. Elijah said, what? <laughs> so, so, so I parked the truck. And Elijah how long are we going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. Keep, just keep it going. So we go. I go into my office. Go to, I'm going into the church. I, Josh said, follow me. He said, he, we, we get in the building. And he said, hey, stop. I said, what? He said, go over there. I said, why? He said, camera C right there. Go like this. <laughs> I said, how many bodies this man done? <laughs> Me and Elijah like. <laughs> we get into my office. Go into my office. We go to my office. He said, he says, this, this is what he says. He says this. He looks at me. He says, where's the body? I said, man, 
in my mind, I'm like, what is going on? And there was a little bit of me that was afraid. But there was some part of me that was like, my dog, like my man, like down forever. Oh, ever get into some stuff? I'm calling you, man. You're my dude. Like, wow, wow. Your heart don't pump Kool-Aid at all. Like, you are about this life. You're stone cold, ready to bury a body, cover it up like some Pulp Fiction stuff. Like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, holy moly. I look, after a while, I said, listen, man, you're scaring me, Josh. We're just messing around. He said, oh, man, I was getting ready to go clean it up and everything for you. I shared, that, I shared that marvelous story with you. I'm scared, yeah. I shared that marvelous story with you to tell you Jesus didn't just clean up the crime scene. He was the one that did it. He was you doing it. See, Josh was willing to clean it up, cover it up. But Jesus came. He didn't just cover you. He cleanses you. He cleanses your shame, your condemnation, your guilt, all of it. He comes to wash you, free you from the guilt of sin, the condemnation of sin. He comes to remove. That is the power of the blood. That's the power of your covenant. So, All of that to say, how often do you spend time with the Jesus that bled for you? Because if you get around him, he's bloody. You, You spend time with him, you can't help but that blood just get on you. That's that blood's so strong. That blood's so powerful. Cancer can't live there. Coronavirus can't live there. That blood is strong. And your covenant is premised in his blood. I close with this. All through the Bible, there's so much there I could come back and give you so much. I could talk about, I could talk about Cain and Abel and how Cain, Cain brought to God vegetables which covered him. Go, I take you back to the garden. There's so much there. But all through the Bible, when God would enter into a covenant, he told, he told Abraham, my covenant with you will, the sign of my, you know the sign of the covenant with Abraham? You will be cut in your flesh, Abraham. I want there to be this cut in your flesh, that signifies this covenant relationship that I have with you. I want you every time you, you look at your life to know you've been cut in your flesh. Your flesh has been cut by the covenant of God. You carry the evidence of God. See, God always, he made it in the covenant cut of flesh, the, of circumcision. This is what the Bible calls it. In, uh, go, go with me to Hebrews Eight, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. 
I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Hebrews says that. It repeats Jeremiah. Jeremiah 4.3 says this, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, look what he says, Break up your fallow ground. Do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Take away, cut away the foreskin of your heart. The cut on the inside will always leave evidence of his transformation on the outside. Always. Always. Romans 2, 29 says this. He is a Jew who is one where? Inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit and not in the contract. His circumcision is not in the letter. God has done all he can do. He's done all he can do. And now he just asks you, do you want a covenant? And and the evidence of God's covenant with you will always be A cut in your flesh. It'll always be like what you want to do, cut. Your desires get cut. Your flesh, your flesh, it it bears the, the marks of like, I walk differently. I handle people differently. I speak softer. I love deeper. I'm committed longer. I sacrifice. It's personal. You can see it in my flesh. My heart's been circumcised. He's touched me. I've entered into a covenant with him. He's touched me deeply. It's a story of a surgeon. He was a renowned surgeon, heart surgeon. And, you know, he does these countless surgeries a day, and he has a young patient come in. In his mid-40s. Slam dunk surgery for him. Got to know the guy a little bit. And the guy was scared and said, hey, man. Just, he said, listen, I do these all the time. You got nothing to worry about. This is how it's going to happen. And, and so uh, they're, they're in the surgery. You, you come. They're in the surgery. And as they're in the surgery, the doctors did everything he could. They go, and they go to restart the heart, and it doesn't start. They do it again, it doesn't start. Eventually, you know, all the, uh, all the other support in the room says, he, he's just, this is it, you, you lost him. And the doctor said, no, 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 I gave him my word. He reaches down inside that man's chest takes his heart into his hand. Not supposed to do it. He begins to massage it. Massages it. As he's massaging it, he leans down into his ear and he says, Marlon, I've done all I can do. I've done everything I know to do. Now you've got to do your part. You've got to do your part. 
And with those words, the monitor came back to life. Right now, God is saying to you, me, the entire church, he's got his heart, he's got your heart in his hand. He's saying, listen, I have done everything I could. I came, I fulfilled my word to you. I died, came back to life all for you. Now all I'm asking you to do is your covenant part. Your covenant part. Let me, here's what God's saying, let me cut away the hardness that has built up on your heart. All your life experience, all of the failure, all of the rejection, all of it that's made your heart callous and hard, all of the, all of the, the things that man has done over time that, is, that has failed you and made your heart just hard and callous to God's voice. He's saying to you and me, do you want a covenant with me? And if you do, you've got to allow me to cut your heart. I've got to take away, I've got I to sever some things in your life that don't belong. The pride's got to go. The self-reliance has got to go. The, the, the human reasoning has got to go. The dependence upon this world, it's got to go. The desire, the rebellion, the stuff you're looking at, the words you're saying, i got to cut it away. All those things, all of those things come from your heart. And, and I've got to cut your heart. But I cannot cut what you won't surrender. And if you'll give it to him. heart to beat again and I'll make you come back to life I'll bring revival right to you every head bowed, every eye closed in the room Father we thank you thank you Jesus Holy Spirit thank you thank you thank you for new life as we surrender our heart now we cut covenant with you cut us in our flesh circumcise our hearts cut away false desire Cut away pride. Cut away human, human reasoning. Cut away arrogance. Cut it all away. Take my heart. Bring me back to life. Breathe on me again, Jesus. I pray from this day forward a new sensitivity to God's Spirit. God's presence a greater hunger, a greater desire, a greater receptivity, a greater discernment in your life. Come to life. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, never given your heart to Christ, watching online, you've never given your heart to Christ, pray this prayer with me. Christians in this room are praying. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. I give you my heart. I take your righteousness. Take my life now. Use it for your glory.
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you stand your feet with me as we close? Altar ministers will come forward. If you're here today, you, you'd like prayer before you leave. We'd love to pray for you. I want to say how much of a pleasure it is to be out here in Wycliffe and how incredibly blessed I feel to see the community of faith continuing to grow. It's evidence of God's presence that is here. Thank you for committing to a personal relationship with Jesus, one that's branded by sacrifice and covenant. We love you. I bless you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. See you this Wednesday. God bless you, Jim.